Well, thank you for joining us for week two of our journey through the Bible together here in 2021. And as we continue on with this um, reading, I hope that you have in, enjoyed this. I'm really liking the format here this year, the five days per week with the chronological Old Testament and New Testament mixed in as well. And what um, I'd like to do here this morning, again, is just kind of walk through some of what um, God has laid on my heart as we have approached the scripture reading from this week. And this is week two. This would be I'm reading from Genesis 16 through 27, and then Mark 6 through 10, with Psalms 107, 1, and 4 mixed in as well. So what I'd like to do is just um, open up the, the Bible again and hope that you have your copy of God's Word there. And just want to encourage you to follow along and highlight things and underline um, those things. I guess just as a side note, in my younger years and through college, I just really felt like I couldn't write in my Bible, like it was a, a sacred thing and that I shouldn't do that. And I've just um, been impressed upon me as as God brings things to my heart. I want to note those for myself in the future and for my kids and future generations as they look back through Bible. So I hope, I really hope that you have a copy of God's Word there and that you will mark in your margins and you will underline and, and highlight things that stick out to you as we go through that. You know, as I read these passages this week, the, the theme that really jumped out to me was just God's timing. Last week we saw the beginnings of a lot of things, and as we get a little bit further into the story, and we see how God is now working with the creation that he um, spoke into existence, and as um, Jesus is working through his ministry on earth and, and teaching the disciples what it means to be his followers, that we are going to see in those things, there are, there are hard things, there are good things, but all of it is in God's perfect timing. So I want to start today in Psalm 107. This was some of our reading from this week and just highlight a few things to you. So I invite you to turn there as we get started with our time together today. You know, Psalm 107 is a psalm of praise, um, and its opening line is, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And it's just a, a wonderful psalm as you go through recounting how God has redeemed people. How he has pulled people out of their brokenness, and he has um, shown himself to them and let them know who he is. And that verse 2 goes on, after we give thanks to God and recognize that he is good and that his steadfast love does not endure for a moment. It does not endure for just a time. It endures forever that we as the redeemed, those who have known the Lord, should say so. We should let people know that God is good. We should proclaim that he has worked in our lives. Whom, whom he has redeemed from trouble is the, the second phrase there in verse 2. And I just want to encourage you that as you're going through these scriptures this year, as you highlight things, as God speaks things to your heart through the power of the Holy Spirit, I just pray so so steadfastly that you will share those with somebody in your life. Maybe that's just your spouse, or maybe it's just your kids. Um, but those are really important things, you know, that we involve those people in our lives, in what God is doing. You know, if you share that with, with someone in the church or someone who is reading through this plan with you, I think that's wonderful. But don't miss the opportunity 
to give thanks to God and to remind others that his steadfast love endures forever. As you go through the rest of that psalm there, you just see how God works in ways that we would often not choose for ourselves. And you see that God is going to continue to work in ways that we might not expect, but he is working. You jump over to verse 33 through 38, and this is a passage in the psalm that really stuck out to me as we think again about God's timing this week. He turns rivers into a desert, verse 33 says, springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into salty waste because of the evil of its inhabitants. He turns a desert into pools of water and parched land into springs of water. And there he lets the hungry dwell and they establish a city to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield. By his blessing, they multiply greatly and he does not let their livestock Diminish. Jump down to verse 43. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. I don't know where you're at in that description of our lives in verse 33 through 38. If you're in the desert or if you're in the springs of water, if you're in that fruitful land that is being turned into a salty waste, you know that, that happens to us as well. But God promises here that he is going to work, and he is going to work in his timing. He's not going to let evil go unpunished. He's also not going to let those whom he has redeemed go without what they need. He is going to provide for them. So I just want to encourage you that by God's blessing, he is multiplying greatly. By God's blessing, he is not letting things in their life be dis diminished. Let him attend to these things who is wise. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. As you look back on your life, as you look at the situations that you find yourself in right now, don't forget that God in his perfect timing and his perfect love, he is working to redeem you or redeem something in your life or redeem your situation. That doesn't mean that they always turn out the way that we desire them, but it does mean that God is good and that his steadfast love endures forever. Turn with me over to our reading from Genesis this week. And what we saw in Genesis this week is just the story of God working to establish his covenant um, with Abraham through his descendants. And it was just impressed upon me again about how God works through situations that I read and I'm like, man, there is just not much good happening there or that really shouldn't have happened, God. But God in his sovereignty is working those things for his good. And I want to highlight Genesis 27 in that thought. You know, this was towards the end of our reading here, but this is the account of Isaac blessing Jacob. And Isaac really... Here, set out to bless Esau, his firstborn son, but Rebekah and Jacob, in their deceit, um, took that blessing for themselves, and um, especially for Jacob. And, you know, I look at that, and I read that, and I think, well, God, why did you allow that to happen? You know, the Bible here does not condone Rebekah's actions. It does not condone Jacob's actions. It simply states what happened and how they happened um, it does not state why they happen. You know, God in his in his choice and in his timing 
um, works through those things, and he goes and he establishes the line of the Messiah, the one through whom the world would be blessed, through Jacob. So I just want to highlight that thing for you as you go through there. And you might be wondering why these blessings are so important. You know, what what is so um, important about this that Jacob couldn't have just, or I'm sorry, that um, Isaac couldn't have just taken it back from Jacob and said, well, no, I'm going to give that to Esau because you deceived me. You know, the blessing in the the time of the patriarchs here in the Old Testament, it was something that was viewed as very important because it was a prayer to God for those blessings. And it was a recognition that God was the one who was doing the work. This was not simply Isaac's blessing. It was the Lord's blessing that Isaac was then pronouncing through his family. And I think that as, as we get into the end of Isaac's life here, we see that um, probably... There has been some some form of um, spiritual blindness that has come over him as well. You know, it talks about him being blind here, and I, I believe that's a physical blindness, but also that he has begun to um, walk away from the Lord in, in some ways, and that this, this statement of what is happening here in Genesis 27 is alluding to that as well. That, you know, we see a continual... Um, degrading of relationship with the Lord. As we started in, in Genesis chapter 1 with God creating the heavens and the earth and creating man and living in perfect relationship with him, what we're going to see throughout the whole of the Old Testament um, is that there are people that do walk with the Lord, but their relationship is never one of physical communion and that perfection that was experienced in the garden. And as you go through the book of Genesis and as you go through the, the patriarchs and as you go through God establishing his line um, through through Abraham and through the, the people of Israel, we're going to see the need for a savior, a need for one who is perfect and the need for one to restore those things. And I be, you know, I think that as we go through this, we, we just see that brokenness in people's lives, um, that God chooses to work in his timing in those things. So as you go through there in that, that section in Genesis, just keep that in mind. You know, that God is working in the, the good times. He's working in the hard times. He's working in the things that we look at and say, well, that's just downright deception. God is working to establish his purposes through those things. And that's really important for us to keep in mind as we continue to go through the book of Genesis. There's so much more that we could say about that time there in Genesis, but I'd like to spend a little bit of extra time focusing on our reading in Mark um, this week. So I would invite you to flip over to the Gospel of Mark, and we would have been reading chapters 6 through 10 in the book of Mark this week. And I'll just recount for you where we were at last week in the book of Mark. You know, in the beginnings of Christ's ministry, in the beginnings of his time here on earth. That's what we got in chapters 1 through 5. And as you jump into chapter 6, where we started this week, we see that Jesus is rejected in his hometown. That he has been away doing ministry and he comes back and he, he tries to do ministry among those whom he grew up. You know, the familiar, the ordinary, those things are hard to overcome. And we see that he is rejected there, and that's just a foreshadowing of him 
being rejected um, by by mankind and his his purpose come to um, to save people you know to save us and to show us who God is now six seven and eight the author mark here really he is he is trying to show specifically I believe that he is the son of God and he has established his authority over many things in chapters 1 through 5, but 6 through 8 begins to specifically um, establish his he, him as the Son of God and one who has authority. And then you get into 8, 9, and 10, you get these three passion predictions. That's three times that Jesus says that he is going to um, die and that he is going to redeem mankind through his death. And each one of those predictions, you see that he makes the statement that the disciples do not understand, and they respond incorrectly, but then he corrects them, and he teaches them what it means. And guys, that gives me hope, that these men who walked with Jesus Christ for probably two and a half um, to three years at this point, I'm sorry, probably three to three and a half years at this point, um, they still make mistakes. They still don't get it. They still don't completely understand what Jesus is trying to do in them and through them. And each time Jesus lovingly corrects them and he comes back and he teaches them what it means to be his follower. You know, those are hard things that Jesus is teaching here in chapters 8 and chapter 9 and chapter 10. And I think, again, it alludes to God's timing in that. And um, Chapter 8, verse 31 says, He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. And he said this plainly to them. Now that comes directly after Peter's confession that Jesus is the Christ. You go back to verse 27 there, and Jesus says, Who do people say that I am? And they told them, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, others say one of the prophets. But then he asked them, Who do you say that I am? And Peter answered him, You are the Christ. He strictly charged no one them to tell no one about him. Now we see God's timing in that after they begin to understand who he is, then Jesus begins to teach them these really hard things. And he begins to show them specifically his purpose that he must suffer and die. And I, th I think if we put ourselves in their shoes, we can begin to understand why, why that was so hard for them. You know, this man whom they loved, he was their friend. They did not want him to suffer and die. They wanted him to establish himself as the, the conquering ruler, as this, this one who was going to right the wrongs. They didn't understand that he came not to right just their physical wrongs, but also their spiritual wrongs, their spiritual condition. That's what he came really to right. So God starts to teach these hard things to them at the right time. And as you continue through chapters 8 and 9 and 10 there, you begin to understand a little bit more of what Jesus comes to do. Now Mark here is writing to show that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the one who has come through the line of David. And so you see a lot of these references to the son of David or the son of man through the book of Mark. And he is doing that to show that Jesus Christ is the Son of Man, the promised one in the Psalms that is going to come and going to right the wrongs, that he has come through the line of David, but also that he is fully God and that he is 
um, come fully as a man, but he has the authority of God. We've seen these accounts of the miracles that he's done through the through the book up to this point. And we get to Mark 10.45, and I just want you to, to stop for a moment and, and circle or underline or highlight that because it really is the point of Mark's gospel. Mark 10.45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So he is teaching the disciples these hard things after they have began to understand who he is, began to see his authority, began to understand how he's actually going to right these wrongs, but then he hits them with this, this zinger in, in Mark 10, 45. And he says, you know, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom. He's going to right those wrongs in a way and in his perfect timing that he, uh, that they could not completely understand. And I think we still don't understand it today. You know, we still do not fully understand what it means to serve others as Christ served. He came and he laid down his life so that others would know who God is and have a relationship with them. That is absolutely the point of Mark's gospel, that there is one who is the Son of God. He is also fully man. He has authority over all things. But even having all of those things in his perfect sovereignty and perfect timing, he comes to lay his life down for other people. Now, we started looking at Psalm 107 here today, and we see that God has redeemed his people for a purpose, and he's done that through different times and different seasons in good, in good times and hard times. You know, as we look back at Genesis, um, through the, the story of the patriarchs there, we see God working in some ways that we would not expect. I guess I just want to highlight here for us in, in Mark 10, that we as followers of Christ can recognize all those things. But we still have a lot to learn, and we still have a lot of, of um a lot of work to do in our own lives so that we can respond to other people as Christ has responded to us. That he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, wherever you're at in your journey, wherever you're at in your walk, God is at work in you. He is working to redeem you. He is working to show himself to you. You're not going to do that perfectly or be a part of that perfectly because you are a sinner just like I am. I do not do the right things all the time. But but the life of Christ is an example for me. And so I'm praying today that God would show me what it means to serve others, to lay down my life for them in their in his perfect timing, you know, in their time of need, no matter what is happening in my life. And I'm praying the same for you that you would see God working, that you would recognize that even though there are circumstances happening around you that you might not desire, God is at work to redeem you, but he is redeeming you for a purpose. Jesus Christ came for a purpose. He came to give us a purpose. And in that, when we choose to live in that, God is glorified and he works through us. Well, I hope that you will continue reading with us as we get into week three next week and we um, jump through Genesis 28 through 40 and up to Mark 15. You know, we're beginning to 
to see the ends of, of those books, and um, we'll see the end of Mark here next week. So um, just pray that as you continue to read through those, that God continues to work in your life. Again, if you have questions about something specific, I would love to answer those for you. I hope that you can join us here next week. God bless. Have a great day.